0: Welcome to episode 11 of Between Two Docs, straight talk from two doctors, no politics, no hysteria, no myopia. We are just two doctors continuing to combat COVID in the real world. As we've been previewing, we have put together a very special event and different format for tonight's show. We believe it's important to hear from people who are affected in everyday life by COVID-19, and there's perhaps no hotter topic than back to school. How is it done, pros and cons, and what may be expected?
1: And and certainly something that's been uh, on everyone's mind uh, who either has school age children or they work in education, um, we've already seen some variations on how this has worked in parts of the country where school has started to return. Uh, schools are doing their rollout of uh, you know, academic year 2020-2021. Um, we're very proud that our guests uh, cover a, a wide spectrum ranging from kindergarten up to high school uh, in terms of teaching disciplines. So we're going to get a wide array of input and how things look different. Uh, we spoke to these four educators and we got to hear from them Uh, directly on the challenges and innovations uh, that they face uh, as we enter this new school year. So happy to have them.
0: We are very pleased to introduce our teacher panel to you right now. I have the pleasure of introducing Wendy Wittes. For the past 21 years, she's been an elementary school teacher in the beautiful state of Georgia. She just recently received her master's of education from the University of Alabama. Roll Tide in Huntsville where she was recognized by the College of Education as the recipient of the Teacher Educator Award for 2019. She currently teaches fourth grade in Alpharetta, Georgia. I would also am very proud to uh, introduce Jason Darnell who has 24 years of teaching experience. He's an 11th grade teacher for AP English. She teaches writing workshop for different grades at the high school level, mostly upperclassmen. He also teaches film and TV history and journalism all at Upper Marion High School, which is a suburb of Philadelphia, teaching classes that I never had when I went to high school. So kudos <laughs> to you. And Dom, you have two folks as well.
1: Equally proud to introduce uh, first in the uh, square just below me, uh, Mary Sue Sears. Um, she is uh, nationally uh, board certified in early childhood literacy and uh, is currently teaching uh, grades uh, K through four in um, special education. Uh, She has a total of 25 years of teaching experience, currently working um, in the uh, Philadelphia School District, I believe. Is that correct, Mary Sue?
2: Large urban school district.
1: Great, okay. (laughs) And um, we also uh, have down to, um, let's see, this would be, it's like Hollywood Squares, Uh, down to my, uh, my lower right here, is uh, Mr. Craig Couture, uh, who uh, actually started off his uh, career before teaching um, in professional uh, sports, working with um, the Cleveland Indians and their affiliates, and then went back and got a master's degree in education, um, and currently is teaching for the last 10 years uh, a, as a business teacher at the Shalmont High School in Schenectomy, New York. Um, so in total, we have uh, spanning the grades from kindergarten through high school uh, here with us uh, tonight, and um, we're going to dive right into the panel uh, questions. Um, so the first question, and this one is, um, you know, we could we could get answers from the group because we're all from different areas. Um, what plan has your school district adopted? Is it a, a hybrid plan, all virtual, all in school? Uh, And if it is virtual, is it a synchronous or asynchronous uh, arrangement? So why don't we start first with uh, Wendy with that one?
3: Sure. So um, I've actually been back in school since August 3rd and um, just been in teacher planning, but our school district has opted to do all virtual starting August 17th. And uh, it's a combination of synchronous and asynchronous teaching.
4: Craig, you want to answer that one next up in New York there? Sure. Um, we're my school district is doing a K through six is actually going back full schedule, um, and our middle school and high schoolers. Um, we do have some people that are doing virtual if they opted out, um, but we, for the most part, most of our students are going to be coming back to us uh, two days a week with one day being virtual. So what we're going to do is have a Half the school comes Monday, Thursday. The other half comes Tuesday, Friday, and then Wednesday is gonna be a time for them to kinda go through, clean the school, and we're doing a virtual day for us, for, uh, for our high schoolers.
1: Okay. Mary Sue?
2: So um, our school district first started out with a hybrid, and um, after several town hall meetings, they have opted to do virtual for K through 12th, and we will be synchronous and asynchronous as well. Okay. And Jason.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Upper Marion has decided uh, very recently, uh, as in the last couple of weeks, to go all virtual, synchronous and asynchronous. Um, up until a couple of weeks ago, Upper Marion was planning to go back full time, everybody, K through twelve. Um, and so this was uh, a bit of a one eighty. Um, but we're. Uh, currently working on we just just today received a schedule for what that day will look like Um, and so we're in full speed ahead all virtual synchronous asynchronous mode
0: as of today. (laughs) So if my math is correct we have three virtuals and what heading back Craig and that would be you. Uh, So this question is going to be directed to you. Um, Do you feel safe going back into school with Kids in your classroom?
4: Um, I do, for the most part. I mean, I think they're trying to take as many precautions as possible. We're lucky up here in upstate New York. We don't have um, a, a, a huge positivity rate. Um, we're we're only about one percent right now, um, and in most of the surrounding counties. Um, so I do feel fairly safe. Um, I do have a medical condition that um, you know kind of is precluding me from the classroom. Um, so they've already come up with an idea um, that I found out just a couple hours ago that I'm going to be in the school with all the other students, um, but I'll have my own room. Um, I think can we'll try to work out that um, as we go along. I do 70% of my classes are distance learning, which means I have my own students in my room. And I'm also teaching to a couple other uh, schools as well on video at the same time. So. Um, I'm used to kind of a virtual aspect to my classrooms, but uh, I feel relatively safe um, enough that I'm, I'm going back to the, to the school and gonna have my own little room. I'll be a separate from my from my students, um, but um, I will be in the school building and, and I'll walk around and be doing different things, but uh, cutting us down to half of our, of our population, which is uh, roughly about 150 students in a class. So we're we'll looking at about 300 students a day. Um, each day, um, but I, I'll feel fairly fairly confident, especially with all the things that they've began to do, um, just implementing a lot of different things. We have, I mean, there's numerous, numerous things that they're they're implementing to try to make sure everyone's safe. I mean, is there a chance? I mean, they're all kind of, it's all up in the air whether or not we're, you know, we can make it through this whole rest of this pandemic, however long it lasts without having to go virtual um, but we're kind of got our fingers crossed and putting up, you know, hand sanitizing stations and plexiglass and they have all sorts of new, new aspects to the, to the school when we walk in, uh, it's, yeah, um,
1: you know, it's interesting to see the contrast, uh, just in that first uh, question and the responses and, uh, not just based on geography alone. Um, so I, I think that it's a representation of what's going to be around the country, uh, very different approaches in different areas. And the, the next question, uh, this is going to be more focused toward um, our two um, teachers who are in elementary and special ed. And and this is a kind of a multi-parter. So we'll, we'll um, start with Mary Sue, because this one is directed at, you know, can you explain how the pandemic's affected your ability to reach um, kids with special needs?
2: Right. Um, it has been difficult, not just for our kids, uh, but I have to say mostly, um, as well as our parents. In any uh, school, and you know what I'll just say, in our district we have found that many of our children with um, low incidence and um, our special ed classrooms they are usually our highest attendance. A lot of that has to do with the fact that in there's something called respite, and I don't know if everybody knows what that means, mm-hmm. and it kind of means a break. Yeah. And our parents really need um, respite because they're working with children that ne- need more care than their average peers. So that being said, We've never stopped, we never stopped teaching. The school c- buildings were closed, but we went right online, we pivoted, we went to virtual. Uh, it's a little different, it um, it takes a lot of motivation. You, j- you have to find out what motivates the kids, so it looks a little mm-hmm. different online. We went right to teletherapy, you guys are both doctors, so I know the medical profession has been using that. Mm-hmm. Do I know there will probably be regression? Sure. Um, but I think every teacher here can tell you that every year we start out with children who there's a gap between where they are and where we gotta get them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Not just special ed, that's any, any teacher will tell you that. And so I think we, we got this as teachers. We, I, we know how to close that gap. And that's what I think we just have to express to parents that um, respectfully, I know that they are overwhelmed I know they didn't sign up to be teachers. Um, And I can help lessen that gap with a healthy student. I need someone that is going to be here in a couple of months, and I will work my tail off to to do that. Uh, But we never stop teaching, and we just find a motivator. I have a sled behind me, and I have a scarf, and whatever I have to do to do my little song and dance and my little act to get you all motivated, and paying attention, I I will do. And you know what? For some kids, it has worked wonderful. With some kids, yeah. just being in their household has made them less anxious. So well, that's a
1: you, that, that's great. I mean, you actually um, answered a question I was about to ask you about innovations and and how you uh, you know just addressed that. And um, I, I think um, I'd like to hear you know from Wendy as well. Um, similarly. Um, Although Wendy, I not You're not teaching special ed kids, correct?
3: Um, no.
1: Okay, so you are
3: past, but not currently.
1: Not currently. So we're talking just about the little guys and gals that you're teaching. Um, how difficult and practical is it for them to, you know, wear a mask and distance uh, in in daily life? Uh, just from your experience of working with them all these years.
3: Are you asking me?
1: Yes, Wendy. Oh,
3: I'm sorry. So, I mean, overall, your typical general ed students, I think, can manage wearing a mask. Um, You know, kids are so resilient and um, they're more easy to fall into change than adults. So, um, you know, especially when you tell them it's for their health and they don't want to get sick. And um, so they'll generally fall in line most elementary school age kids. There would be those who will toe the line mm. and, you know, test and, you know, pull it down or play with it. But for the most part, I think they've been living this for several months now and with their parents and they know the seriousness of it. So, um, especially in our school district, if they have to return and have to wear a mask, um, they'll do it. They'll do it. Uh, for, for kids with sensory issues and things like that, it's definitely a different. Uh, scenario um, and there you know but you have to work with it I mean it's it's differentiation it's it's what we do that's our that's our job so we figure out how to work with it but luckily right now that's not something I have to manage and um, and we'll cross that bridge when we get there
0: I love hearing the resilience and patience of our of, of our teachers it fills me with a good feeling so thank, thank you to both of you I'm gonna now pivot to our, our high school crowd, and I'm gonna start with Jason. Um, you know, Teenagers are tough when they're not in school. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on you know how receptive are they gonna to be to this new way of learning, whether it's video or hybrid? Obviously, it was forced upon a lot of our country uh, end of March, April, and May, and we sort of ended the school year mostly on a virtual setting, but it was rushed, and in most districts was not effective. Obviously, we've had some prep time and uh, districts are dealing with this in the here and now and looking to push ahead. What are your thoughts on the teenage brain acceptance, moving ahead and getting through the curriculum, getting from point A to B, point B, as Mary Sue said, you know, closing that gap? Is that doable with a video or hybrid setting? Yeah, um, Wendy and Mary
5: both touched on the resilience of children. And I think, they're, I think kids are way more resilient than we are. Uh, in a way more adaptable and malleable, um, and I, I live with a teenager, and and he's he's tough, <laughs> uh, <laughs> tough. but um, the and you touched on a point I was going to make too. The end of the year was a was a, a disaster for everybody, and I think I might speak for the other teachers in the room when I say that we we sort of kept waiting for some 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 light, some hey, maybe we might go back. But it just sort of ended, and we never got started. I feel like we never got started in a real robust virtual program. Resources just weren't there, just because they weren't. We no one knew what was happening. Now that we have a run-up and we have access to um, administrators uh, who, who can get us things we need. In fact, at um, board meeting the other night, Rupper Marion, it came up that um, possibly we get teachers into the building to. To remote teach from their classrooms. Um, but there's technological needs like, you know, down, downstreaming all of those students into a building it is a technical problem, and so there's all that coming out early enough now allows us to respond to those things. But the teenagers themselves, um, I think, will adapt somehow. I think starting all virtual. Um, if, if we're going to do any kind of model starting this way and, and building back towards a, an in-person kind of model is much better, at least because I know that I, I, I'm i probably speaking for the other teachers in the room, but again, none of us have done this before. Right. This is brand new. And so we're figuring this out. We, we got it. We're going to make it work. We're going to figure out the best way. And as far as like getting through curriculum or Um, articulating content and getting students to respond to that content. Um, I think the biggest problem we face for the teenage population is engagement. Um, How do we engage them from across this digital gap? How do I get to you? You're one of Dom said that you're one of a Hollywood square on my screen for an hour a day, which is great. That's better than nothing, but, but how do I get you engaged? And then on those asynchronous days, you know, there's that pressure on the parents to motivate the teen, and it's hard enough for us to do it. I think the teenagers will rise to the occasion because I think there's, there's going to be that collective understanding of this is how it is, this is how it's gonna be. And I just, I won't say names or whatever, but I know that there are a number of kids that when they heard we could possibly be going back, they were a little upset. And, and that's an objective observation. that kids were like, oh no, we're going back? Oh no, we're gonna get sick. And we can, as adults, explain that away, or not explain it away, but it's, it's a real kind of a fear. But I think teenagers are going to be OK because we as teachers, we as professional educators, we have to find a way to make sure that they are and that they're engaged. And I believe we can. I believe what we can.
3: And I would say, if I may, um... I had to call all of my parents and students in the last couple of days just to connect with them. We're having a virtual sneak peek tomorrow and um, you know all the parents have asked, well, what's this going to look like and how are you going to, you know, my child's in advanced math and my child's in accelerated reading, how are you going to meet their needs? And and I said, well, we're going to have to work together and you're gonna have to be patient and flexible. And I said, but in, in the spring, um, actually my school district, uh, we closed school on a Thursday and we were back up and running virtually on a Monday back in March. And um, and it was like full steam ahead. Uh, we did only focus at the elementary level on reading, writing, and math. Um, but And it was more asynchronous than synchronous, but, uh, we tried out all those platforms, you know, we tried out Flipgrid, we tried out Book Creator, we tried out Padlet, we did all of those ways to integrate and make things more um, interactive for our students. And um, I just think that our parents need to be patient with us and know that this is our job, this is what we do, and we're going to do what's best for your children. And we know who needs remediation? We know who needs enrichment, and we're gonna make it work.
2: Yeah. I think many of this is, see, you're talking to all veteran teachers here. So many of what we're saying is how we get ready for the new school year anyway. The one thing we have is we work with a new population every year. We always have to motivate, we always have to catch their attention. The thing I'm, I'm concerned about, and I'm, I'm glad. Our school district did not get up and start it right away, but we are a large, large school district and our children did not have the um, technology at home. We had a great grant provided to us. Um, they were given free internet. That's the stuff that I can, we can work on. We have a school district that's also providing us with curriculum. It's just the safety. I know we want to think that um, kids will rise the occasion. We hope. That's our job. Our job is to think they're always going to rise the occasion. When I can't get my adult children to separate six feet, I don't know how I'm going to do five-year-olds. I'm just
1: fair statement. <laughs> they are very fair.
0: And Craig, my question to you along the high school lines is, you know, you're a business teacher and you know, when I took business, it was a textbook. I would imagine now it's a lot of small groups and maybe a little real world experience and seeing how how business works. How are you going to modify? I mean, do you have the leeway to modify your curriculum so you can get the subjects taught? Will you be able to do it in a virtual setting in the same way that you can do it, you know, when you separate your kids into make a business plan, let's get a business model? Is it an easy pivot for you or are there going to be challenges and are, can you overcome them? And I'm sure you can.
1: You're uh, muted
4: there, Craig. Yeah, there's 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 definitely going to be some challenges. I mean, there's no there's no two ways around it. I'm I'm very lucky in that my school district is, um, you know, very technologically savvy. I mean, when we when we stopped in March, it was it was you know, flipped to virtual. We have our Schoology program that we use for grading. Um, that all had video capabilities to it. Um, it allowed us to record. You know our sessions as well so if students sick didn't make it whatever they could go back and watch them so um and again i'm i do 70 percent of my classes um are distance learning to begin with um, so i have my classroom with my students in here and i may have one or two other uh classrooms from around new york state that are uh kind of it's virtual learning with uh you know a teaching assistant usually with them um so Um, I've already had some practice, so to speak, in in doing a lot of this stuff. Um, The hardest thing for me, um, being an elective, the students for for business, either they have an interest in business or the students want to take the class because they know me and they've had me for other classes, um, is that I usually have some sort of bond with them. We usually be able to talk, you know, within the classroom and, and, you know, just have some sort of social connection there. The difficult thing is, um, you know, even just starting out, I know I'll be in in my school building. I just won't be with my students. Um, the hardest thing is going to be for me. I'm going to be close to them, but I'm not really talking with them or you know having that interaction. Um, it'll be interesting to see for me. Um, people are probably still going to seek me out and and knowing that I'm in the building with questions or you know uh, homework and whatever it might be. Um, so that'll be interesting. But uh, I think. You know, the hardest thing for me as a teacher, I'm so social and my classroom is so based around, you know, my relationships with my students, the hardest thing I had in the spring and the hardest thing I'm going to have come uh, in a few weeks when we start back up is just creating that bond that I have with them and trying to build upon that bond as as the school year goes on. So I'm hoping that we can still, with all this practice being on here, um, I can you know, create that bond and, and get them motivated. As Mary Sue was saying, it's just there's something about being in the classroom that you these kids that might not be as motivated, you can motivate them. Um, you know, whatever it is you can you can figure it out, it's a lot harder to figure out that motivation from a virtual standpoint. So um I might have to get some pointers from from Mary about how to motivate some students because I did have some some students who weren't that motivated in the spring and uh, that's really what's been on my mind all summer. Is knowing that um, you know we might not go. We might not go back. But now that we've decided that we are, you know, we also have the possibility of of you know at some point going virtual. Once we start,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
4: you know, what seems like an inevitability of having some cases within the school district, we'll have some downtime or even some time when we're going virtual. So um, we kind of have to be ready for for everything, you know, even though I'm going back into school my students are gonna be there, we have to be ready for, to go virtual at any time.
1: Yeah, and and that's a, a good um, segue, I think, into the next question, which is, um, and, and we'll spread this around the group is, although three of you right now are gonna be predominantly uh, virtual, um, we're looking ahead at, there's gonna be a point in time when, when things are changing and there's, some gradual return, like you're seeing in, in what Craig's uh, school district is doing. How how do you feel that your school or school district is prepared for um, you know changes, different contingencies, such as you know multiple students testing positive, uh, or teachers testing positive, or you know the need to have extended quarantine, those type of things. Wendy I think you're in the thick of this right?
3: Uh, Yes I am in the thick of this um, and I am in a very large school district just outside of Atlanta and um, we have 93,000 students 120 schools um, large large district Um, and we actually have a matrix that was sent out to us I guess it was back in June um, where it kind of did the low, moderate, severe levels, and depending on how many people uh, were testing positive, it was on site, if it was clusters, uh, depended on how long we would be out of the school, or if they would shut down a region, or if they would shut it down for days. Um, Now, the latest information that I just heard today, actually, um, our superintendent announced that he wants to start phase one of our reopening after Labor Day, and it's very, Very minimal, but I think it's very well thought out um, that starting September 8th, he has it segmented by age group where um, if you are preschool, uh, pre-K through second grade, you're gonna go back for 90 minutes one time a week. Uh, If you're special ed, you're gonna go back 180 minutes one time a week. And then if you're third through 12th grade, you can go back one-on-one with an appointment. And there's no dates or length on length on how long that would at, that would um, last, but then it gradually increases for phase two, phase three, phase four, eventually going back to face to face. But our superintendent has really stuck to, stuck his ground, and um, you know, really has stuck to the science and the data, and um, you know, is is looking at the number of cases per hundred thousand, and you know, he's he's confident. You know, we have a lot more people wearing masks around here now. Um, people are really taking it seriously and we're, we're trying to get that curve back in the right direction. Wendy,
2: uh, Wendy can I ask you a question? Uh, you've said that a couple times, they're wearing masks a lot. And I, I'm, I'm honestly saying that most I've seen a kid wear a mask is an hour because we've been in a place for an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking of businesses and doctor's offices where you can't have more than two people in there. They come out to your car. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking we got 15 kids for seven hours with mask on in like a conference room. Are we asking any of our businesses to do that? That That's my concern. We have 200,000 students we, mm-hmm. uh, we serve. Yeah, uh, I mean, I just don't know if little kids, and I could be wrong, I've been wrong before, but, has anyone here on the panel I don't have little children anymore and I've only seen them like at a, a religious ceremony for an hour wear the mask but they were next to their parent or in I don't know if our kids are I don't know if I'm capable of seven hours
3: well I don't know if they're being asked to wear it for seven hours right away I mean I think that that length of time is a little far away um so take the mask off inside no i mean they when they when they're facing back in they're only coming in for short periods oh. of time, like 90 minutes 180 minutes at a time so um you know pretty reasonable i mean i'm even noticing at the grocery stores and and businesses and things around here that parents and kids are masked are masked up um it, it's tricky though i i hear you mary like you know
2: I, I li- listen i think this is all i'm, I'm looking for our medical people um, for some answers about how how wise is this we weren't we weren't going back we were going back the kids are going back and I think Craig this is you they're going back those two days
4: full days mm-hmm. yeah, Am we're I wrong, going Craig? yeah we're going well the height that's just middle school through high school is full day, full days our kindergarten through six is every day full time um, and again mm-hmm. and you know New York we're all been wearing masks for months. Um, it was mandated a long time ago um, and it's hard for the seven-year-old to keep a mask on for a long period of time. Um, we'll go out and he'll he'll do it because we talk about it and we, we you know recognize how serious it is especially um, in our household um, with myself mm-hmm. um, so we do it but I have a hard time um, we're choosing not to send him back to school. Um, my district where I live is only going back to school every other day. Basically, um, it's a little bit more convoluted than every other day. But for all intents and purpose, they'll be going back five days out of every two weeks. And I'm I'm not confident that he would be in there all day with his mask on and be able to keep it on. And everyone else would be in there, um, even if even at the you know numbers that they're looking at, because we're looking at you know here in my my school district. Um, we're going to have 20 some kids in the classroom. I mean, it's, that's tight and kids shouldn't be moving around at that point if if you're looking at that six foot distance. Um, And even with my uh, son's school district, it's, you know, they're cutting the students in half, but um, you're still tight. And you know what your classrooms are like. In New York here, um, we basically, what I've noticed a lot of the schools, we've sterilized our, our environment. So we're not used to have, you know, maybe a couch or something for, you know, kids who are doing, you know, really well in class, you get to sit on the couch, you know, this week or whatever and do this and that. That's all gone. Um, Our rooms are stripped down so we can have as much space as possible with only the technology that we need and the desks that we need. And that's it. So we don't have filing cabinets. We don't have, you know, extra desks. We don't have extra copiers, things like that. This is bare bones. And, you know, that I think that's going to, you know, affect the psyche of the kids and then you're sitting there also trying to wear a mask all day. It's it's going to be a daunting task for, for anyone and even for me, if, you know, my students that are going to be in the classroom, Grant, I most likely won't be in there with them, but even for 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds, I think it's going to be tough for them to wear a mask seven hours a day and maybe have that one chance at at lunch. We're going to have our own lunchroom open. Um, the kids are going to have to sit far apart, but and they'll have time to take that mask off, but there's changing of classrooms, there's going to the bathroom, there's you know, all those different things. And I think even high schoolers are gonna have a difficult time uh, wearing a mask all the time.
1: Yeah, and, and some practical stuff too, that's a consideration. I mean, you know, it's difficult for you know, healthcare workers, you know, myself included. know, we are working in the environment, we're wearing masks, but you know, there are times you have to take it off to eat or drink and you're doing that in more private or remote areas, not in groups. Um, but there are periods where you just need a little bit of a break from it. And that's a little bit more of a challenge when you're younger and you don't understand the nuances or you're not, we will run over and put hand sanitizer on or we'll wash our hands and kids are not going to think that way, uh, at least up front. So it's going to require some, you know, uh, changing of of, of routines and approaches that I think is going to take some time, um, practically speaking, you know, for little ones, especially.
5: So my district is... um... All virtual through January. That was, that was the announcement. So we know that we are doing this for four months. Um, where my kids go to school is hybrid. Um, and that's, that's caused some consternation in, in the district. Um, particularly for me being a teacher, um, all of the concerns about, about kids wearing masks and being distanced in the classroom are real for me because, um, I mean, for lack of a better word, it, it feels inauthentic. Um, I know my classroom is dynamic, it's 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 AP lit er or AP language and it's literature and and the kids never sit in the same group twice a day, or twice in a row. It's it, it's flexible seating, we move all around, we get out of the classroom, we like the, so none of the, the sitting sitting fifteen kids in little in little cubicles basically in classroom masks, to me I feel does a little bit more of a disservice to the engagement process. Right. Um, I'm just sitting here with the, with the six of us here and I can see all your faces and I can tell when you're smiling. And, and there, that makes a huge difference and articulating who you are and what you think um, full face uh, with eye contact um, and, and being able to do this, I think makes a little bit more sense. Um, at the same time, I'm sending my kids to the hybrid option in person because the virtual option is not being run by the teachers in the district. Um, and, and I don't want that at all. I want my kids to know they're teachers. Um, and I think the engagement starts with us. And I think, Craig, I think you said we're, we are, we're teachers because we love human beings and we love interaction. We love the social piece of it, not for ourselves, but because um, at the end of the day, that's what we're bringing to children you know, like we're, we're problem solving how to be human every single day um, and, and, and algebra and, and Spanish and, and business class and everything. Every, it's all important that academia is important, but we problem solve how to be human beings every single day. And we're, we're, we're doing it in a, in, a, in a real unique way now and, it, and it's exciting. Um, but the, the anxiety that we all feel, parents, teachers, kids um, is very real um because we 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 simply don't know what it's going to look like uh but i do but i do think that that engagement part is the most important part and putting kids in a a classroom um or in a virtual space with their actual teachers i think is the most important part of this yeah
3: you you bring up a good point because a lot of in-person teaching is very spontaneous yeah Um, things happen in the classroom that you don't realize are going to come out of your lesson and those are the great teaching moments and um the virtual kind of takes that part away to a point and um I, you know I don't know if the parents out there realize like how much harder it is to plan for a virtual lesson than it is for an in-person lesson um because we're taking what we would do in person where there's that interaction and we have to create something that's going to be interactive through something that's very passive so um, you know it just every you know a worksheet well i'm not going to do a worksheet on the computer i have to figure out how that's going to become interactive for the kids am i going to put it you know in jamboard on google and we're going to interact or am i going to load it in teams and you know make it a conversational thing like there's so many different platforms and that's what goes through a teacher's mind is like well which which platform is going to work best for my students which one is going to provide the least amount of clicks to allow them to get there. You know, um, right. the more clicks, the harder it is for them to, to access. And um, and then what about assessment and tests and things like that? So you know, there's just there's so much that goes into this virtual piece. Where I know on the computer, if you're on the other side and you're watching the teacher talk, the you know, it's very easy to say, oh, that's so easy. Yes. You know, we can do right. that. Even if you're playing a game like Kahoot or a quizzes or something like planning has gone into what those questions are that, that you're producing in the game. So there's just, there is a lot of planning that goes into the virtual, not that there's not planning for in-person, but it's just a different, completely different scenario.
5: Well, it heightens this, the awareness that you have of, of having to truly engage the kids because every one of us can sing and dance on up in front of that room and, and we can walk around with the kids and be who we are and get them learning. Um, and flip grid works for some kids and it doesn't work for others. I, like, I, I personally don't, I don't like to do flip grids, but a lot of my kids do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's one example, but, um, but it almost seems to me, and I had this thought the other day, and it, um, like when, when, when you can't engage with the children the way that you normally do physically in a space, 15 kids in a room with masks sitting six feet apart. It's almost like an in-person Zoom. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't get near you. I can't ask you to move. You can't really, like, manipulate these objects that I'm handing to you without sanitizing your hand. And so that that's where the the virtual piece is sold to me now, and I'm all in on it, because it just, it, it offers like Wendy points out, all these different levels of engagement that we've got to plan your, you know, plan your,
2: your brains out
5: on. But at least it's not – I don't know. I just – I, I, no,
2: right, I we don't have we put
5: the emotion to it, but I feel sad thinking about a kid sitting in a class by himself in his little six-foot bubble. Mm-hmm. Which you isn't
2: returning to normalcy, is it?
5: No, it's not. That's, that's, not that, normal.
2: that's the biggest thing I'm getting from parents. Listen, uh, we've got working parents who – they depend on the school because they know where their children are going to be safe for seven to eight hours a day. Um, but I, they are, their biggest thing to me is, I'm worried about the socialization. Yeah. I am too. But it's not going to be normal socialization when they come back anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's going to go against every grain in our body to keep kids separated. Especially, you know, the cute little things that they show online about how you can do your kindergarten classroom like this. Oh, and you don't think, this little five year old's gonna turn around and try to get into the other one's space. They have a whole problem with personal space anyway at a young age.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I've seen some teenagers with problems with personal space. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: Actually <laughs> at the end of the year, um in, in May, our our year ended in May, um and our last week of school, I did a lot like you did, Mary. I did theme days. It was like ski vacation day, and they'd show up, you know, like it was ski vacation, or it was 4th yeah. of July, or whatever. We had all these different themes, yeah. and um, one of the kids said, Ms. Wittis, will you just, because we're not going to be able to go to camp, and like see each other, will you just meet with us every day, you uh-huh. know, next week when school's out, and um, I said, well, you know, I can't meet with you every day, but I'll meet with you once a week for an hour. And so through the whole summer, I went with them once a week for an hour. Wow. And um, this is teaching. And yeah. And like I had six to eight kids. I had 25 kids in my class. So I had six to eight kids every week that logged in. And we just talked. I mean, I didn't have anything planned. I didn't do anything. And they just showed up. They were so happy to see each other. And they were so happy to, um, if someone new joined, You know, they were just, that was great socialization for them because they were asking questions and they had to get to know one another. And it wasn't necessarily their friend group who was joining. And it was great. It was so great for me. And um, it was awesome for them. And I'm just, I felt closer to them through that experience than if we had been in person, I wouldn't have had that. So
0: and that segues, you know, I think really nicely into our final question, probably the most important question that we have. Um, you know, we've the, the voices that we've heard throughout all of this is we've heard the school boards, we've heard the superintendents, uh, we've heard the parents, and a lot of these groups are very animated online, either one side or the other, but we haven't heard from the students or the kids, and we definitely haven't heard much from the teachers. So that's why I think this forum has been so great to get four compassionate kind human beings who love what they do what message and I want to go around to all of you do you have for the parents if you guys can give you know a two to three sentence you know this is this is my thought and bear with us and we're doing our best and we love your kids you know what, what where, where do you all stand is what should the parents know throughout all this well, I'm going to lose sight of the importance of education and the importance of humanity here and I think we are I'll go, I'll go. Yeah, go, Jason. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I didn't
5: know if you were going to call on somebody. Yeah, you we're know all, what? You're you're we're only, all being Jason, good students, waiting to be called. You're all great. Yeah. No, I I think the message I want parents to hear from from us teachers is that we we've got this. We're we're your kids are going to be taken care of. Uh, we know that it's hard to be at home with the kids with the asynchronous learning. I get it. Uh, I have got kids. It's hard for me. I'm a teacher. I've been a teacher for a quarter of a century. It's hard for me. Um, but well we need to be together on this um, we need to be partners um, this is unprecedented no one's ever had to do this before uh, we have we're blessed with technology we're blessed with the resources to be able to do this um, you know and, and you know kids who don't have access or are, are able to thanks to angels helping out but um, but yeah, we we've got this. You know, we're we're working really hard as teachers to do something we've never done before. Uh, but like Mary said earlier, like, we do that every year. <laughs> we yeah. do it every year to teach, and this is just a different way of doing it. Um, you know, and so thankfully we have the means to be able to connect with and engage with kids. Um, as long as uh, the parents and and the teachers and the students are all bought into whatever this is, whether it's hybrid, whether it's whether it's all virtual, whatever. Um we're going to we're going to make this work. We're we're on top of it. Um and we got it.
1: Mary Sue, you want to take the next uh
2: I concur w- with Jason, but I I want to say because uh I want to tell the parents we hear them. And that same teacher that was willing to take a bullet for your child uh when we have an active shooter is the same teacher who is brave enough to speak up when your child can't, and tell the district what we think is the safest way. Um, I think parents need to know. we're having a problem in the Northeast is we have a lot of uh, medical professions saying, "Come on, teachers, don't be scared. You can do this. You're just like the nurses. You're essential workers, and, and we're not. Instruction can be taught remotely. Is it best practice? Not in my personal opinion. I like to be there, but." I think that it can be taught in a safe way. And that's my job is my number one priority is to keep your child safe.
3: I agree with you, Mary. That's something I've always told my students. You know, safety is number one. And, um, and I think you said it very well. If we're willing to take a bullet when there's an active shooter, we're willing to do whatever it takes to make sure your student's gonna learn and be an active and engaged student. Through this time and this is the safest way for them
4: right now and from my point of view i think you know jason put it very eloquently i mean we're all professionals um this is our job just like you know you you both are doctors um we got this we know exactly you know what we need to do um how we do it may change throughout as we learn different things but we're professionals and and we'll we'll figure our way through this whole thing and we'll do it in a manner that that your students will be will gain a lot out of it too at the same time.
1: Yeah I think um, this has been tremendously um, not only reinforcing I mean I've always known that I am who I am today uh, because of the teachers that I had in grade school and high school and beyond and um, it's so refreshing and rewarding to hear this perspective that you've all provided in these very uncertain times. Uh, like Mary said, you know, you're you might be frontline, but you're not frontline healthcare workers, and this is not necessarily your wheelhouse. Um, just like you know, it's not our wheelhouse, uh, Dr. Cullen and I, to you know, tell you how to teach students. But I think the fact that you are walking into this um, head first, uh, upright, knowing that changes have to be made and are made and will be made, and you're ready to roll with the punches, um, it, it's tremendously uh, reassuring uh, for me as a as a parent and as someone who has many uh, teachers, uh, you know, in the family and and extended friends. So, thank you all for your uh, approach to this, for your your open-mindedness, and um, for the time that you're you know you're going to give in the months to come
2: thank
4: you our pleasure
0: thank you. yeah great meeting uh most of you i have known a couple of you for a long time but echoing dr valentino you guys are the are the the, the glue of of society and uh, teachers often don't get enough credit and uh health aside safety aside you are a part of all of us we all remember the teachers that we had along the way that helped them mold us to who we are and we can name them all and you foreseen like they would be four people I would count on my list of people who helped to mold me as well. So appreciate you coming on, appreciate your 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 honesty and your candor, and appreciate really just the compassion that just oozes out of all of you, that just shows that you really almost love my kid as much as I do. And it depends on the day. It might be more on some days. So <laughs> thank you for all that you do. And uh, I hope to get this message out and we get to see the, the humanity behind teachers that often gets missed in a lot of the debates that are going on currently.
3: Well, thank you to both of you for what you've done during this pandemic to just add humor and add facts and just keep it real and um, just help educate everyone out there who's seeing so much in the news that is accurate, is not accurate, and um, just keeping it real. So thank you for what both of you are doing.
5: Yeah, I, I echo that. I was going to say something very similar. You know, you guys have made a very complicated um, issue accessible and meaningful to a lot of people, like you said, with humor, um, but just with, with science and with medicine. And it, I find those things very reassuring and comforting, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. especially in something like this. And you guys have really brought this to um, a human, compassionate, accessible level. And I, I love what you guys have done. Thank you so much for having me and, and my fellow colleagues on.
2: My biggest compliment, you two are great teachers.
1: <laughs> I'll
0: take that as a major compliment thanks Mary Sue
1: thank you all right everyone well uh it got it got a little late Craig's losing his light <laughs> um experience. Experience. We're, we're seeing nightfall in New York uh so uh be well everyone and uh you know we're we're all uh intertwined in social media and easy to get a hold of so uh questions coming your way feel free to send them to us. If you think we can be of assistance that I'm sure we'll do likewise.
2: Thank, Thank you. you
4: guys very much.
1: Take care, everyone.
2: Thank
4: Appreciate you. it.